the year is 2016. Governments and superpowers struggle to take control of the worldwide narrative, erasing information that doesn't match with their political agenda and inserting new thoughts, new ideas to change the way of the future. If you can't predict history, how are you going to predict what happens next? If you don't know, if you remain ignorant, if you can't research and find out for yourself, how are you ever going to anticipate the true nature of this reality? What am I talking about? I'm not really sure. But <laughs> this this is episode 130, so you can check, check episode 130 of The Paradise Paradox. Go on to www.theparadiseparadox.com slash 130. You can check out the show notes. Um, today, we t- or, or the, the other day, we talked about um, a few things. Aaron um, mystically woke up with uh, with a bunch of T-shirts that he'd never seen before from, from his old suitcase, n- never been worn T-shirts and he had no uh, recollection of. One of them happened to be a, a, a Che Guevara T-shirt, so I know it's gonna probably going to piss off some of you. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we get in, we talk a little bit about that. We talk about some uh, um, the conspiracy theory about how uh, a lot of the rock stars from the 60s were actually um, a- agents or assets of military intelligence in the, in the United States. And we also talk about um, the idea of dedicating your life to psychedelics. So check out the show notes uh, for the links there, um, links, links to Rebecca Black's video because that, of course, p- plays an important part in this this episode and and reality manipulation in general. Um, <laughs> jump onto theparadiseparadox.com slash 130 and you can check check out the show notes there. And uh, remember to jump onto Steemit. So Steemit is, is a new platform based on cryptocurrency, um, lets you get paid for voting and creating content and commenting as well. So um, can be can be good for some of you. I know some of you are artists and musicians out there. Remember when you jump on there, um, give us a follow. Um, Steemit.com slash at paradise dash paradox. Uh, Aaron's on there as um, at battle A-Z, B-A-T-T-L-E-A-Y-Z-E-E. Um, I, I'm on there as uh, Chudzu, so steamit.com slash at C-H-U-R-D-T-Z-U. Charlie Hotel Uniform Romeo Delta Tango Zulu Uniform, just in case you, do, you missed that. So, let's get into it. <laughs> That's a nice shirt you have on there, Aaron. Do you want to tell us a bit about it? Um, well, it's black. Um, yeah, I think... The, <laughs> That's a good yeah, start. Black's, it's, uh, black's it's always got, a classic. It's got, uh, it's got a picture of Che Guevara and a few other, a few other guys. Um, it's, got, right. it's got at the okay, bottom... Okay. Uh, it's got at the bottom here, uh, Joventud Rev- Revolucionaria. So, you know, young revolution... Um, written on the bottom. Okay, so I mean, it's not so much Re- about revolutionary the revolutionary youth. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's Che Guevara. So because okay. I, I was just saying that okay, some of our fans are probably going to slam us for it and tell us how how Che was uh, what do they say, El Carnicero de 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 la Cabana, the the butcher of the cabin, the butcher of la Cabana. Okay, you and see, he was a he was a monster by some, by some accounts. I mean, of course, he's a man, a very controversial man, and perhaps we'll never know the truth exactly because a lot of people have had an incentive to lie about him. Yep. Um, so we might never know, but by some accounts, he was a very brutal, 
mm, what's the word? Sadistic man. Yeah, see, I've got, I've got no doubt um, that that's. I mean, you know, it doesn't take, it doesn't take much to have a look at his history and see where, where he's at. It's just, um, mm. I mean, I don't know too much about him exactly, mm. um, but you know, when, when you look at like a general view, all you, all you see is that he was, uh, you know, a revolutionary, and that, um, yeah. and that's been swayed that way um, for mm. some, for some purpose. I mean, I don't, I don't know why they would put someone that's so. In today's term, is pretty considered a, a terrorist, and uh, and and they're, they're making <laughs> yeah. like like he's the uh, you know the the number one freedom fighter. But the funny thing about this shirt is, I've well, got no know, idea. A, a person can yeah. be a bit of both, I think. You know. Well, times have changed. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they have, but you know, I mean, that's like the expression: one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I guess yeah. um, when, when I say um, times have changed, I think you're right. I think it's it's pretty very similar to now. It just depends on. <laughs> there's a lot of people that probably think they're doing the right thing, and I think overall, they're they're definitely not. Mm. But um, yeah, so about the shirt, um, I I was going through old clothes that I've had. You know, yeah. it's I think it's common to have. Um, you know, when you're going for extended trips. You know, maybe a, a year or two, you're not going to take everything with you. So, um, I, I left a suitcase here full of old clothes, and it was kind of it's kind of fun when you when you arrive back home or you go to a storage or wherever wherever it is you left all your all your crap, um, which you probably should have got rid of. Um, in in hindsight, this happened a couple times, and I I can't drill it into my head. But the less things you have, the better. If you're going to move or you're going to travel, just sell everything. Just get rid of everything. This is this is the way. Like you know, there's, there's no but. You know, this was a gift from, and I actually like this. Is like mm. just get rid of it. Just get rid of everything. So I, I came home and I got suitcases of crap. This t-shirt was in one of those suitcases, and I understand up there <laughs> so you can see it. Um, yeah, and- so it's, it's it's got Che, and it looks like it's got Fidel on the on the right there. I think it's. Oh no! Is that that's another picture of Che? Okay, it's got it's got a few pictures of Che on there. Yeah, like I the classic revolutionary icon picture um, in in color, and then a couple of others with him looking in the distance, pensively. So uh, I've I've put this shirt on this morning without without really uh, studying what it what it was because yeah. it's uh, you know I'm I'm just at home, so I throw on you know whatever's whatever's clean for the day. The, the funny thing is, we did an episode about things, about dropping keys behind the lounge and you've got to jump behind the lounge and <laughs> dig them out. Otherwise, they disappear or they fall into another dimension or there's yep. just, you know, things, items can slip through the gaps of of reality. This shirt has slipped yep. through somewhere and ended up in my stuff because I don't remember yep. buying it. It's brand new. Like, it's it's still like a little bit, you know, a shirt tough from new shirt. Um, I don't think anyone's ever wore it, but okay. for some reason, like it hasn't been washed. It, it's it's never been washed. It's never been worn. It's it's brand new, and it's <laughs> and it's right there on on my uh, go to t shirt pile. And Joanna doesn't know anything about it. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> it, it was here before Joanna was here. <laughs> In, okay, what? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it was it was in here where? Uh, well, it was in my me my suitcase from years ago. So, you know, this is this is before oh. Joanna was even on the. See, this is, this is why it's so interesting. If I packed my own stuff, how is there a new shirt? Actually, there's three shirts that I've never seen before. Um, the other one was a <laughs> the other one was um, a Mexican calendar, and there's also one of Frida Kahlo there as well. So. I mean, the I Mexican mean, it, calendar is in the Stone of the Sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. um, okay, yeah, the Aztec calendar. So, if I was okay. to rationally put together where this shirt came from, and without having to jump to conclusions that they've slipped through a crack of an alternate reality into my reality, I would say that either my uh, my brother or my dad had bought them at some stage and just opened up a suitcase and said, "Oh, it's full of clothes," and just stacked them in there. Hmm. That that makes you know rational sense, but 
Um, I haven't asked Benny yet, and my dad's got no idea. He said, no, nah, that, that would never have fit me, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was actually, I was talking about Che the other day. I was thinking about hmm, the Mandela effect, actually, because. Um, yep. What happened was. Years ago, um, I, I posted something about Che on, on Facebook, and at, at that time, I, I I thought he was, you know, maybe I thought he was a hero. Maybe, maybe he was. I still don't really know. Yeah. But, um, but, but I had some. I had I posted some quote or something, and somebody responded saying, "Oh yeah, you think Che's so hot? He was this, and he was this cruel man." And they posted this uh, this quote from him saying. To, to be revolutionaries, we have to become hardcore killing machines driven by pure hate. And I was like, okay, that's pretty intense. But <laughs> I knew the quote and I'd Just looked it up bit. before. And I, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I knew that actually that, that quote had, had no source except for this one book from the 70s, which didn't cite a source, uh, 70s or 60s, didn't cite a source. And basically, the, it was like this guy had just made up the quote because nobody else knew where it came from. Um, but then more recently, um, I remember somebody posted the quote again and I looked it up and it was like, bing, 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 like five quotes. And it was like, he said it before an audience of 300 people and <laughs> okay, and all of this. And I was like, how could this, like, last time I looked at this quote, according to my to my memory, uh, there, there was no support for it. And now it's like, this is established fact. And uh, yeah, it, it made me wonder, have I like shifted timelines? Or, you know, here's, an, here's another conspiracy theory for you. Uh, like, of course, as I said, Che was a controversial figure. Um, and he still represents, you know, he's still still in popular culture as a, as this hero, revolutionary. Yeah. What if somebody um, who, with a lot of control over information, the ability to influence Wikipedia and and other a lot of other sources on on the internet, university websites or something, what what if a powerful organization like that with the resources did a kind of memory hole? That is to say, they went through and rewrote history and they, they, they said, okay, we're going to make Che actually not a hero. He's not going to be a revolutionary today. He's going to be, um, you know, a, the butcher of La Cabana. Yeah. Um, and went through and, and developed carefully the, these, uh, these references to give um, meat to this to this citation. Yep. Um, Even- or, you know, for some reason, I just- didn't research it properly the first time. That's the other option. <laughs> yeah. So the, the thing is, they're all quite plausible. And I, I would say <laughs> even six months ago, I I would have. Yeah. I mean, I would have thrown out. You know, the um the information hole, black hole on the internet. People changing the internet um, sourcing Mem- things. Memory hole is the term. That's yeah. Memory hole. Memory hole. I like that. Um. So <laughs> it's from 1984. Yep. Um, this, I would have thrown that idea out. Like that's, that's not, that's not possible. There's the internet's too big mm. and too, uh, robust to allow that to happen. Mm. Um, I mean, I would have, I would have pretty said, you know, it's pretty more the Mandela effect and we've woken up into an alternate <laughs> reality over, over the fact that someone could change the internet. But, um, you know, with a little research into nine eleven and, and seeing the, the footage of the, the airplane not chopped in correctly and how the wing goes mm. behind the other building anyway the 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 video footage is botched and then to- i don't know there's a there's one of those videos which which i think is just a little illusion because one of the buildings is closer and it looks like it's farther away or so, something but but there are some of them which which do look weird yeah well so, the the, yeah, the, yeah, the one i saw, one saw. It, it looked like yeah. It looked like the plane's obviously closer than the building behind, yet, I mean, this is 2001 technology, so, you know, no, no, one, no one's got, like, alternative smartphone quick videos um, because you'd think yep. there, I mean, if it happened today, there would be 
thousands of videos of the second plane, at least, you know, back in those days, 2001, um, there, there was no smartphones yeah. and there was no one with, with handy cams, you know, on the on it at the time. So we've really only got the original television footage, which you'd, which you'd, well, you'd think. Yeah. Um, now, considering that, I wonder if they can implant information, then, then why can't they remove, you know, a limited amount of information and plant new information like this uh, Shay the Butcher story? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. Well, I did notice uh, a, a few years back when looking through um, 9-11 conspiracy videos, I noticed in the comments there would be a lot of comments marked as spam and I would press show. And almost invariably, like 90% of them would come up and say something about Operation Northwoods. And I was like, some motherfucker is going through each of these videos and marking these comments as, as spam so people don't look up Operation Northwood. Uh, <laughs> that's very interesting. Just just a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just misread the comment. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that video. There's, there's a, a documentary on YouTube as well where the guy goes through and makes the case that Every piece of footage of of the the, the planes hitting the towers on nine eleven um, that was shown on television is actually um, it's this well different footage from different angles, but just with something superimposed over it, like a sprite, like an animation superimposed over the over the video, um, and and he he kind of implies that there are no planes. That's an that's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I only recently heard that, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it because it, it obviously connected things in my mind that I've never considered before. So I don't know. I mean, I would have thought that would be impossible, but then you start thinking yeah. about it, and then the way the way some of the videos explain it, the way they talk you through it, it's like, wait a minute, this it's possible. You know what I mean? As soon as you as soon as you say that's possible and I don't know and no one else seems to know either, then uh, then your reality just grew a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a fun kind of... That's a fun thing about life, isn't it? Because, <laughs> because if, yeah, it makes me... Um, you know, there are a lot of people in this world who if you say something, you suggest some some new idea, even if it's something completely wacky or you say, well, hang on, you know, let me just tell this like it's a story. They'll even get agitated and say, no, it can't be so. And you're like, well, just, you know, let it simmer in your mind a little bit. Just enjoy it. You yeah. don't have to you don't have to say it's true or false or anything like that. Just, <laughs> just you know, just relax, play with it. Ideas are our, our playthings. So. <laughs> yeah, those uh, those mental brick walls never come peacefully. It's always very, very mm. reactive, very sharp, very uh, almost aggressive. Like, mm -hmm. who, who are you to be talking like as if there's an authority that you can't say those things in front of me because I'm not willing to accept that. If I mean, and, and of course, they're not exactly able to go for you to keep talking to them normally to say, wait a minute, calm down. Where is the anger actually coming from? Let's let's go back to your childhood. What's happening here? There there is something programmed so deep in you that you are not allowed to think for yourself. Yeah, they were chipped at birth, obviously. That's insane. Yet yet it's it's plausible. I know I know these people. Some of them are my own family. I mean I love them. But they even done a couple of MRIs on them. It's like there's trigger words in this reality. You got to be careful who you talk to and, and what words you say. Right. Trigger words or magic words. That's another way of looking at it. Uh, magic. I like <laughs> wanna, magic you better. Wanna get an, yeah. You want to get in a, uh, a reaction very quickly. I almost made a Freudian slip there. You want to get an erection quickly. <laughs> you want to get a reaction quickly. You can just say these, these magical words. Nigger. Cunt. You know, <laughs> people yeah. people are gonna um, react to that very quickly. Yeah, um, it's it's incredible. Um, 
Mm. I, I don't know how so, or why. So easy to control people. Um, I don't know why you just saying that made me think of a video I saw the other day, and it's kind of, it's a bit it's a bit off topic, but it was a conversation mm. between uh, Steve Jobs and the and the the CEO that came in after him to run his company X marketing CEO specialist from Pepsi. And yeah. um, I mean, in this video, I can't believe I forgot his name. I only watched it a few nights back. Um, basically, yeah. Steve Jobs needed this guy to come in and help market the Apple computer back in, you know, early 80s or whenever it was that the company was getting set up because it wasn't being taken seriously. And Steve Jobs worked out, if I get a marketing guru from Pepsi to come, that's on million dollar salary to come to work for me, then all of a sudden Apple Macintosh is automatically... Um, you know, creditable. So, mm-hmm. and and the the Pepsi guy, which uh, he I said think his name was Scully. Scully, yes, yeah. He, yep. he's, he's starting a new company now, and that's very that's very exciting. Mobile phones and things. Um, I liked his his strategy. Without going into that, it was cool what he said that Steve Jobs said to him to make him go, yeah. "Crap, I have to leave Pepsi." Steve Jobs apparently said. Because he he didn't want a bar of it. He's like, there's no way am I leaving this huge multinational organization to go work for a company you created four months ago in your parents' shed. There's no way. And then <laughs> I think I think it was a bit more established at that point. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I mean, this is the way yeah, this is the way okay. he said it. This, this is the way he said it. Right. He was explaining what what happened okay. and why he went to to Apple. Um, yeah. Apparently, yeah. Steve Jobs. I mean, these these are like these magic trigger words. It's like he got a phrase together so tight, and they made him think so uh, mm. away from what he was thinking. It just broke what he was, what he was hanging on to, like his uh, his belief and not wanting to go work for his company. Steve Jobs mm. said, uh, "Are you going to keep selling sugar water for the rest of your life, or do you want to come with me and change the world?" Mm. Like that. That was enough for him to go. You you just you just schooled me. I, I don't know what to say. When do we start? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a, that's that's good. I like that spin you you put on it. I th- yeah, I think a, a lot of people have probably heard that, but you put it you 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 said how you know he phrased it, he encapsulated it. Yep. Um, into into this phrase to to put everything into perspective, and yeah, it makes me think about how um. Alistair Crowley said, said uh, something like, "All art is magic." So that it, that is like, if you can capture someone's imagination, then you can change the world, or you you can change change reality, or however you want to look at it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think I think yeah. that's um that that's our our spin on change in reality. Um, I find in new shirts and. And CEOs are just jumping companies. It's it's all it's all perspective. Yeah, yeah. So okay. So let me let me tell you this idea that crossed my mind the other day. Um I was sitting in uh sitting at the breakfast table in a hostel in uh the Kiskiapan uh in I don't know uh hundreds of kilometers away from from my home and uh yeah sitting at the breakfast table and drinking three coffees and and uh and eating uh what do they have enchiladas caretanas um there and uh you don't normally and, uh, drink coffee so what what was happening <laughs> well i ha- i have been the last couple of months i mean it's i don't know i don't know what happened exactly but uh it's it's part actually i do do kind of know um so in one of my psychedelic experiences i i had this 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 thing i mean i'm let's see i'm trying trying to boil it down a little bit but the thing is um sen- sensory um sensory experiences are are good they're they're powerful um they bring you they're like snap you right into reality they grab grab you by the neck and say hey you're alive (laughs) yeah um so i always make a point like when i when i leave my house in the morning i go and i have my spearmint there and i just put it rub it right in my face and 
take a huge breath and go, yes. Yeah, wake <laughs> I'm up. I'm alive. <laughs> yep. Yeah, or the, bas- the basil or the uh, lemon ver- verbena as well. Incredibly powerful. The lemon verbena, reputedly the most lemony plant in the world. More lemony than lemon. Wow. Uh, more citrusy than, than any other citrus plant. Doesn't have a fruit though, just some leaves. Uh, but very mm, beautiful, strong, powerful citrus smell. Um, it's great. Anyway, so that's a, that's kind of the reason I like coffee. Like you take a take a whiff of it, and mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's how I'm feeling. Yeah, like an uh, espresso shot or a shot of tequila. It's like we're we heading out. This is going to be the night of nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's a that's a, a slightly different way to take it, but yes, that works as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and also, it's. I mean, I think it helps a little with my writing process, or like perks my mind up a little bit. Um, and anyway, so sitting there drinking coffee, and one thing that um, I was writing all these ideas, and they were kind of coming out so quickly that uh, that I couldn't quite get them all down. Um, so I, 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 yeah, I kept going off on tangents and writing down these these interesting thoughts that were coming to me. Um, and, and as a result of that, I thought, well, this is, this is pretty cool. Like this is quite a comfortable spot to be at as a writer, as a, an idea trader or what, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, economist. Uh, it's cool to have all these, sorry, an economist. An, an idea economist. Yes, <laughs> that too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's good to have all this this uh, this material coming that I can write down and expand on later. And I thought I'm I'm quite comfortable with this. Uh, like this is a good level. Um, and at the same time, thinking, well, I know it's because of these psychedelic experiences that I've had that that I'm at this level um, where I can somehow get get these ideas these very, very fascinating ideas onto paper out of, you know, almost out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but then, I well, I thought I'm very, very comfortable and I thought, well, this is, you know, if I could stay at this level forever, this that would be great. Um, but then I remembered when we were out in the desert and, and Marcella said to, said to us, well, this is the tip, like, feel, feel good, take more, feel bad, take more. If you're going to throw up, take more. If you're not going to throw up, take more. And if you get, if you feel like you got to a good level, take, take more. more. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, gee, okay. So sitting down, right, <laughs> writing these things. Obviously, I'm not like on a trip in that moment, but uh, and not planning on, you know, eating peyote at the breakfast table. But, um, but I'm thinking, well, is this. You know, she at that point she was just talking about when you're on the trip. But is this like a kind of entire life philosophy? Like, take more, <laughs> or just you know keep taking it, just trying to reach higher levels, uh, trying to expand your consciousness, push the truth to the next level. See what kind of ideas we can we can actually get out of these experiences. Yeah. See, I actually think that you have had a boost of uh, idea generation power, or something. Something's happened since yes. the um, in the last year because you know yes. we've, we've been hanging out for a while, and you know we're producing um, as a team. You know, years ago, and now it's like every single time. I talk with you. It's like I've got an idea for you, and and that's that's awesome. But is it is it really because the you think these these last uh, psychedelic experiences? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I would would put it on. I guess uh, to to some extent, I'm also more uh, productive now than than I was previously in t- in terms of writing down ideas yeah so uh that definitely has a plays a part you know if if you're working hard on coming up with ideas you're going to come up with more ideas so um you know it's probably a, the combination of this of this 
different perspective and, and working hard on it, yeah, something's gonna something's gonna give. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, from my experience, I'm not I'm not a very uh, strong writer. I don't particularly enjoy writing as a as a yeah. as a pastime. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I obviously I, I do write because I mean it's it's a kind of a requirement of of what I'm involved in. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea of writer's block, I mean, you kind of you, you hear about it here and there. Um, I feel like occasionally, if I'm trying to force myself to do something, it's like, where do I even? How do I even tackle this idea? Where do I, what corner do I even start with? So I just start writing down, scribbling down notes, you know, mind mapping ideas. Even uh, I might start writing on the, the bottom corner of the page. Say, well, I'll come back to this later or whatever. Um, just just to get myself writing because you're right, you know, you get yourself in a habit and then it just comes easier after that. But it, yes. it doesn't seem like you've come across writer's block at all in the last six months, especially. No, I don't. I don't remember the last time I had something like that. Um... Yeah, I mean, almost every every time I, I sit down, like I tr- I try to write like a hundred words in the in the morning when I wake up, um, just to set the precedent. Yep. Um, That's and good. it's never like, oh, what am I going to write? Like there'll be some idea in my mind. I'm like, okay, let's see what see where that goes. And then you know, a lot of the time that leads to something else. And then I'm like, oh, that's that's another that's an even better thing to work on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's yeah it 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 does kind of make me wonder how people can have writer's block. Um, I, f- I forget. I think it was Terry Pratchett who said something like, "Writer's block doesn't exist. That's just something that they invented in California." <laughs> <laughs> I forget the I forget the quote. Okay, it's like maybe he was saying it's something from the movies, um, <laughs> not something from real life. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't imagine Terry Pratchett would ever have any problems with that. Okay, you know? this this spurs another thought. Um, I mm. just my, my own personal um, research. See, I, I don't find I, I like watching movies anymore or, or watching TV. Mm. But sometimes you're like, you know what? I don't want to do anything. I just want to be entertained for a little while. So I find YouTube yeah. my my go to, and there's enough channels that I can just see what's you know what's hot today. And um, and start listening to something. I found myself diving into mind control again. Um, okay. You know, it's like little effort. It's just MP- MK Ultra. Or yeah, M- Monarch. Monarch. Um, there's, there's a couple new ones that I've come across as well that I didn't even know existed. I don't even know if they do exist really. I mean, it's it's not even. It's like they don't even have a name anymore. It's just like you know when this guy came out, uh, I started hearing things about how every single person that's ever been a producer, you know, whether it's music or journalism or, or anything, writing books or uh, whatever, if they have or they comment about uh, their parents being in intelligence or military or anything government-wise, chances are it's uh, it's been fabricated. And the particular example was- um, Hang was- on, what's been fabricated? Well, their their message, the movement they're they're leading, um, and I put it in context. Um, Jim Morrison with the Doors. I think mm. I I would have never have considered that what he was was pushing or his you know distraction, you know whether that was mm. his music or you know his uh, his episode that he's he wasn't taken seriously as a as a poet. That whole thing was fabricated just to just to fill you know, a spot in reality. Like, if it wasn't him, it'd be someone else. But the fact that his, um, his dad was in um, military intelligence or whatever, and his story was that, you know, he, he's, he always told everyone that his parents were dead. Hmm. But they weren't. And his dad was still working in military intelligence. Well, that's the thing. Um, he was, I, I think he was, in, uh, he was in military, whether it was intelligence or not. What I was listening to, oh, okay. um, I mean, the, the podcast I was tuning into, the I, the idea is that, you know, they, they could say, you know, my dad was a, a policeman and I've always had issues and I, I'm not close to my dad, yet um, that's like, how can you be sure that's not planted uh, information or like, you know, for, for the use of, of mind control? 
down the track. And, you know, they use a couple other examples like fashion with skinny leg jeans and, and things like that. And, and and I know that I own a couple pair of skinny leg jeans, but it's not because <laughs> I give a shit about skinny leg jeans. It's because they were on sale and I needed a pair of jeans. It's like I couldn't care right. if I was even wearing jeans. It's like that is the social normal. I'm going to put on what's what's happening right now. It's like I'm just... I'm just like a, a free agent flying through, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, well, um, yeah. One one thing about that is I've I've heard that I've heard a uh, I remember someone when we we're in Acapulco, Fred or or Monty played this um, long interview about it. But one of the things that came up was about Frank Zappa, um, and Frank Zappa's dad was apparently a general or something okay um but i i find it really really hard to believe that frank zappa was some kind of military intelligence pawn because a lot of this a lot of the the quotes and interviews and stuff is he's very anti-authority um you know bordering on anarchist um like he's 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 saying how you know people try to control your mind and there's a there's a really great um, clip of him on uh, I think it's on that old show Point Counterpoint or no I think it was called Crossfire uh, and the Crossfire I think the idea of the show was that the the interviewers try to grill these these two people um, they that they come on the show on the on this important point um, okay. so this was like before you had. Um, the the thirty second debate on Fox. This this was the the more you know in, intense TV thing, and you can see him standing up for for freedom of speech and saying how censorship is nonsense and the, and that kind of thing. So very clearly anti authoritarian, um, and yeah, I'm yeah when people say that that Frank Zappa was 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 part of that was somehow controlled. I just no, I don't, I don't really buy it. <laughs> yeah. See, the, uh, but were you able to consider it? Like, were you able to just go, well, wait a minute. Let's, let me look at my, my own point of view and let me think about why I think he wasn't part of it. Hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll consider it. Yeah, I'll consider it all day. I mean, with, but with, with Zampa, I think the probability is very low. Yeah. With others, I mean, maybe like with with... With Morrison, I guess it's a possibility because obviously they're like, let's see, they're just trying to trying to um, try trying to build a case here. So say they're they're, they're cultural leaders in a sense, um, so they have a lot of influence. Uh, but then they're writing these songs. Um, you know, they call they call themselves the the Doors, um, based on Huxley's book, The Doors of Perception. Um, Yes. And they're, they're talking about in their songs. I mean, what are they really talking about? There's not there's not a lot for you to grab onto. Like there's a there's a killer on the road. His mind is squirming like a toad. I mean, it's a, it's a nice rhyme and it's, it's some interesting imagery. But yeah, it's almost meaningless. Um, but if, and, if you were to jump, you know, it's a, yeah. if you were to jump back. Yeah. I mean, just with the with Riders on the Storm, that song. Yeah. Um, I, I listened to it in an alternate, in alternate state of mind um, in the last year. Again, <laughs> alternate state of mind. State of mind three. Uh, yeah, turned the, the toaster setting to three, and yeah, it, it was it was different to where I'm at now. Um, yeah, and, and it really made sense to me. Um, the okay. the, the, the okay. mind squirming. Okay, it's I'll give, I'll throw it out. Um, I mean, it's pretty written down somewhere. But I don't remember the lyrics before that part, but I know what I was kind of thinking before that. It's yeah. like, um, for me, that song is like uh, consciousness being forced into you as a, as a person, as a, we're, we're just, we're all human beings, but it's like out of nowhere, um, we, we are born into these animals, the human animal, and then we're supposed to, um, and then the, the squirming like a toad part was kind of like uh, the animal's got its own desires and needs and what it wants to do, whether that's just, you know, eat and procreate that and go really fast. We've got something with going really fast. Um, mm-hmm. uh, this is why we all love watching the Olympics and seeing how fast can the human machine run. 
um, that's probably my personal um, favorite Olympic event. But it's like we've got that animal versus this this consciousness idea where where people try and create belief systems and you know systems of control on top of that, and then then we all pretend to be like a civilization. So that this is what I was thinking when I'm listening to that song. And I was like, is this really what he's saying? Or is this just me on a trip? Like, what's going on here? Was that, I mean, it's, it's about a 10-minute long track once you put, like, the, the psychedelic music in the middle there. Uh, it, and it really got me thinking. Yeah. It's like the extended solo. Yeah. yeah. Like, what's, what the hell's going on here? Um, but, you know, I don't even know if that's what the song was about. <laughs> Probably not. I'm leaning towards no. But who yeah. Knows? Yeah, but <laughs> so mm. yeah, I mean, you know, they had be, being being uh, kind of cultural icons. I guess they had a they had a chance to say something revolutionary about you know motivate the people. Yeah, but um, you could you could say well what they what they really did is just release this these tracks with this kind of dadaist or absurdist poetry with with interesting imagery but without any any real cohesiveness yes or or uh deep meaning i mean that that's one way to look at it yeah but that i mean um to say that let's see to say that that would be a tool used by by intelligence agencies well i guess i mean it it could be i mean that's what that's what people say about pop music nowadays like it's kind of this this distraction you put it in yep. front of people and, and you know, I, I was, my neighbors were playing this track earlier and I, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a kind of joke, but it, I mean, my neighbors, most of them obviously don't understand English, but the track goes, the track, the chorus goes something like, we're having fun, 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 fun. We're having fun, fun, fun. When when you said they're <laughs> playing a song and I couldn't believe it, I was like, they're not playing Pitbull Taxi again, are they? Because there was a time <laughs> that I could I could believe. Yeah, but yeah. there was a time when that, I, I that, couldn't walk around yeah. anywhere without hearing that song. Like oh, you just couldn't escape it. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, so who's the I culprit like, of the fun shit, song? This is. I don't know. I don't know. But it made me think. Like this is. Like it made me think of Rebecca Black, you know that track Friday, and it's it's this like terribly awfully written track by by some studio who who does these boutique records for for teenagers who want to be pop stars. Uh, yeah, it, it had yeah. it has a lyric like that, fun, 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 and I was like, holy shit! Like there's a this broad, lasting uh, influence of Rebecca Black's musical talents well i mean <laughs> rebecca black's cultural influence will, will perhaps will never fade <laughs> well we we've covered before that that one that one guy that's produced like 99 of all the lyrics of all the songs of of the last 10 uh, years um it, yeah. it's like it's not it's not um i mean the data's there to say if they wanted to do it they could do it it's like you know like there, there's someone that's writing all the songs well, even if they're writing half the songs, I mean that's significant. So, and it was a lot more than that. Right. So, right. There, there's obviously Central point of failure. So, if you want to get yeah. a message in there, you go yeah. to the guy. <laughs> so, but but then I was thinking, you know, like the Doors, they were so like anti-establishment and let's expand our our perception. Let's really, you know, live. Mm. There's more to life than just you know the the, the job and material shit. Like there's, there's something. There's, there's they they had that. Um, that other perspective, and I was, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe if intelligence organizations is that reflected in the music. Well, um, in the, I mean, the the movie talks about, um, you know, them being. I mean, ultimately, I mean, what I pulled out of was them being controlled. There were certain things that they that there was a serious scene where they couldn't say the word "hi" on uh, on you know nationalized television. And and like the, uh. they're, they're being told what they can and can't say, um, yeah. so so I, I wonder, you know, that that little fight, do they are these little fights created the same the same way like you know we have a national sport teams and things like you know there's we they they give you something to get behind they understand that we're mm. not we're not going to choose the same flavor so they they create these various channels. 
Mm. Was that, that's, that's okay, it. yeah, yeah. That's the only way that I could think maybe an intelligence organization would want to infiltrate music and put these alternate ideas in. Because, I mean, at the time, there was quite, there was quite a, a heavy... Well, it, was, it was coming out of the, the 60s. So there was like this alternative movement... And it's like to really capture. It's like it's like when all the when you're trying to get all the cows to go into one field. It's like you need one dog over that side and one dog over this side. Doesn't matter what color the dogs are. Doesn't matter you know how loud they bark. It's you just need to control. You need both e- extremities, and of course they mix mm-hmm. in the middle with whoever can you know put it together for themselves. But they control the whole thing. And um, yes. So this is what I've been this I've been considering. And then then you think well you know with the music that's so easy you know mass. Um, encapsulization. Yes, yes. So obviously there wasn't any good yeah. movies on that night. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I wanted to get back to my to my idea about about uh, taking more. Oh, good. Uh, yep. The thing is, I I put it like this: like, <clears throat> imagine. So you you have a nice life and and you're you're comfortable and uh, you don't really have to worry about food or shelter or pretty much anything. You put, you're pretty set for for life, let's say. Um, but then you have this opportunity to to travel to other worlds, and you know that if you if you say yes, it's like it's never going to be comfortable. Um, I mean, you might. You might experience comfort sometimes, but but your life is going to be perhaps we could say continually disrupted um, by these these powerful experiences of of exploration that you're going to have. Um, so you can't really have you can't have have comfort and and knowledge. And the thing is, I I said, well, you know, I remember sitting at the table and, and thinking, um, so the. The thing is, I mean, this it's basically there's no end to the knowledge. It just keeps it kind of keeps going on forever. Um, so if if I sit at this point um, and just chill, uh, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because uh, we're like on on this on this infinite line of knowledge, and I'm just at a at a certain point, and you know, I've I've reached a certain point. There's nothing wrong with staying at that certain point. Um, and and there's like this this voice in my head saying, "Yeah, um, you can do that, but you know, go on, <laughs> yeah. continue. <laughs> yep, um, keep 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 going. You know, like like the 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 thing the thought was kind of like, well, you know, there's no pressure. Do whatever you want, but come on, mate, <laughs> you're, you're better than this." Pick yourself up. Keep moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that 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 was interesting. And See, it, it, it yeah. depends on where that where that comes from. Because um, I mean, I've experienced that exact same thing um, in mm. pretty two two um, areas of of my life. And mm. I mean, it was it's pretty early twenties when you know when I I, I really started getting to the gym. And it was, it became more than just a, a social thing to do after work. Um, you know, it really became an obsession. And you would see yourself mm-hmm. in the mirror and it was, you know, so so what if, you, if you've if you lost, you know, you're down to 10% body fat or whatever, you know, whatever goal you had. Or so what if, you know, you all of a sudden you could lift in a certain position X amount, and which was more than what you expected. It was like you always wanted more, but it was, but it was more than that even. It was... It was you'd look at other people and say, "Why won't you train?" You know, even if someone, if you could see they had, they had potential, like someone that was pretty a bit wider or taller than you, be like, "Man, if you went to the gym, you could be a monster." And that was something you desired, so you exerted what you wanted on other people. And then you see somebody that was a bit overweight, and you're like, "What a loser!" You know what I mean? Like, there's no mm-hmm. way I'd let myself do that. I mean, and this is this is like pulling yourself into your own world and then being. You know, real subjective on on everybody else, and and right, you, right, judging and, other people by your standards. Yeah, well, I mean, I just couldn't understand why people wouldn't want to get fit and go to the gym. 
Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? There's so many, it's so much av- available. It's not expensive. There's so many gyms everywhere. It's like, and then you start rationalizing. There's other reasons. It's like, it's socially, it's actually, it's healthy for you, all these other things. Mm. And then you, then you see someone like, yeah, well, you know, the gym's just not my thing. Yeah, I went a couple of times. Mm. I didn't like it. And all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I can't, I can't be around you anymore. I don't, I don't get you anymore. It's like, <laughs> where, where you are no longer friends. Like what the- this is what they say about addiction, like you cut out the friends who <laughs> don't share your addiction. Yeah, no, I, I said that from the start. The gym became, it became an, an addiction. But then I've seen this yeah. happen with travel as well. You know, all of a sudden, you know, you go on a weekend trip to New Zealand skiing or something. And it's like, wow, that was really, that was really cool. But New Zealand is like Australia, but it's not. So all of a sudden, now you start going to a little further out and a little further out. And then it's like, what happened to Kurt? Last I heard, he went to Mexico and hasn't come back yet. It, it's <laughs> like you, you get that extreme travel bug. But I, I don't think it's a travel bug in, in our case. But, you know, you see people at every single holiday. is like, where am I going to next? Where am I exploring next? And it becomes a thing where you must you must travel. And then um, I remember meeting people that said, you know what? I'm not really interested in seeing other places. It's a bit, but you grew up in Australia. We have the we have the the financial capacity to go anywhere in the world. We've got the passport that let us do it. Um, why wouldn't you want to travel? It's like you must travel. You, they're shaking them. You have to travel. Go get out. And they're like, yeah, nah. You yeah, know, yeah. Newcastle's cool. No, what? <laughs> yeah, okay, it is. Uh, you know, Newcastle's great, but yeah, okay. I, I I mean, for me, I couldn't appreciate it. Until I saw, you know, another hundred cities. And then, then you go, yeah, you know what? We do have a good thing going on here. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody has their own path and their own, you know, comfort zone and what they're, what they're willing to push and what they're not willing to. So, I guess we kind of just have to accept that to some extent because that's, the, you know, that's the way things go. <laughs> um. And let's see. So yeah, uh, the other thing was, yeah, yeah. No, go, go on. I'm just um, okay. I'm just wondering if you'd be satisfied staying there, like you know that voice in your head saying, "Keep going." <laughs> like that, that voice <laughs> okay, in your head yeah, becomes okay. part of you in a way because then all of a sudden you're like, "Yeah, you know what? To be true to myself, yeah, I can't. I can't stay here. I've got to keep moving." Like, well, that, that's that's kind of a. Yeah, it's a question that ran through my mind. Like, actually, I wonder if that's what I'm here for. I wonder if I came here to do that, <laughs> like deliberately, and and that's why the that's why I have this little voice nudging me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't mean to Mexico. I mean to this Earth. Yeah, because. I mean, whether you, uh, I mean, whether you notice it or not, you're dragging a lot of people along with you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a that's kind of a a, a scary thing as well, because I'm like, well, what if <laughs> am I leading these people? You know, is is my consciousness going to influence people in the in kind of the the positive way or not? Yeah. Um, so we- yeah, the other thing was. Uh, I, after that experience in the in the desert, taking Pinote, lying by the fire, I was like, I hope I never have a trip that fucking weird again. And then, what do you know? Within within the next two weeks or so, somehow I had I had one that was even weirder. Yeah, and I was like, next like next time I need to prepare for this or what? <laughs> well, I won't. I won't. I mean, it's it, yeah. The whole thing was very strange. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I wonder if I'll be, uh, you know, having these series of events in my life where I'm like, I'm never doing that again, and then yeah. I, go, I go and I go and do that again because that's that's actually what I what I want to do. And it's not like it's it's not really like, uh, you know, I mean, people people go out drinking and then the next morning they're like, I'm never doing that again. This this is a bit different. I mean, is it? <laughs> I think I think it is. I mean, it's it takes discipline to start to begin with. Like, I, and on one level, I'm like, I really don't want to do this, but it, it's like kind of uh, 
like say you have a, a fear of heights and and you're you're staring down that um uh and may, maybe you're a little claustrophobic as well and you're staring down that tube uh you know at the water park and it, and it's like the thing is like 30 meters long or something and you're like i really don't want to do this and then and then you jump on your little boogie board or whatever and you slide right down and like yeah Woo! <laughs> that was cool. But, I mean, that doesn't have the regret. It's not the perfect analogy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um, I, I've done the I've done the, go, the gone out drinking and said, yeah, never doing that ever again. Countless number of times. Um, the only time yeah. that I, I've been on a trip and said that was in the episode um, The Face of Death when <laughs> I, I felt like I was gone for an eternity and couldn't find out how yeah. to wake up and get back into my body. And then when I did, yes. I was so rattled, I didn't even know if it was my body. It's like I just, it's like I looked in the mirror and said, I don't even know who that guy is. That was extreme. And and I didn't say I wouldn't do it again because I got a kick out of it or because it was scary. It's just because I felt responsible for people in my life around me. And I thought if I did mm. that and it never, and I couldn't pull it off and I couldn't get back, then I'd be dead or I'd be significantly different. To a point that people would miss me, and then I don't want to put people through that. So that that's when I said, "Yes, I better not do that again." Yet I I have um, not. I mean, I've never reached those levels, but I mean, you know, when we were going out to the desert and about to take peyote, you know, I, I had to promise Joanna that I'd come back and that I'd be I'd be the same. So I mean, that that was a heavy weight. Same or better? Well, um, well, I mean, if I was better, I think I could hide it. But if I was worse and I couldn't hide it, that would be that would be upsetting to her. Because and I think that's yeah. the main reason why I said, you know, don't come out and scare me. I'm talking to cactus and saying, Don't say boo, I'm not ready. Um where where you were very different. You were like, Let let's do it. Let's have a communication. <laughs> yeah, and then as soon as it started coming on, I was like, What the fuck? <laughs> this- yeah. This is what I asked for, but I didn't know if I wanted it. <laughs> yeah. But I did. In the end, that is, that is what I wanted. Um, so, lesson so, learned. Yeah. Next time, don't take your wife to the desert. Just go with the boys. And that, that's, that's it. Nothing. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's one way. I mean, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess for you, it's a, it's a thing because you're, um, you're self-conscious. You don't want her to worry and that, all that kind of thing. So, that, so that, that can hold you back. Yeah, and I just didn't want to be be lost somewhere, and, and you know, endless void, and not be able to come back. As much as I'm sure you, I'm sure you do come back. You know, the first time you think I'm not coming back, um, and then then you're pleading with with God in your own head at some point, and you don't you don't know you don't know what's going on. Um, that's that was enough to to shake me up, but it wasn't enough for me never to do psychedelic drugs again or mind state altering you know dimension shifting substances no i just didn't mix them anymore we're going to do peyote and actually that's that's a lie too what what am i talking about (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway um irresponsible tripper oh yeah well you know i I recorded it that's an interesting thought Uh, think, think about this just for just try it on for size so, yep. <clears throat> what you said about you, you're out there in the void and you don't know whether you're going to get back and and then you call out to God. Um, I wonder if, um, uh, like, that's that's one of uh, one one good way to see God because at that moment, there's nothing you want <laughs> more than, you know, the... the, the the patient and calm hand <laughs> yeah guiding yeah. you where to go so <laughs> yeah i mean i can't even i'm trying to think about what it is because i mean there's a lot of people that pretty say you know i'm an atheist i don't even believe in god then all of a sudden they're mm. they're trapped out in the middle of the ocean you know with a little life vest on and a, a plane crash behind and that they they pleading with god please send a helicopter to come and get me or something extremes happened and uh or, or you know, or um, the the U.S. Uh, Air Force accidentally bombed the um, the the fire station, and I'm just a, a local fireman trapped under two floors of rubble. Um, 
and I wonder who's going to come and save me. At that point, I mean, I'm sure that guy probably had a God. At that point, whether you have a God or not, you find yourself pleading with something, something bigger than yourself, something that, that's got the whole, your reality, your memory, your life, your loved ones, everything that, that could be possibly part of you is inside whatever you're trying to bargain with and say, I promise I'll be good and I'll never do this again. Just send me home or just save me or just uh, pull me out or whatever. That's, uh, I think everyone needs a good experience like that to really start living their life the way they should be. That's, that's funny. You know, I, I, I think that's, that's really weird the way people bargain like that. I like it would in that kind of situation. I I would never, it would never occur to me to do that. I don't think. At least I, you know, I've never done it yet. Yeah. Um. But more, I think I would, I I would. Uh, let's see, how can I say it? If if I did look for God in that moment, then then I would say, um. Give me peace. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. I'm thinking about when you had the bus accident. You know, when you when yeah. you woke up and you, you grabbed the pillow and started pressing it against your forehead to stop blood flow, and I mean, like, I think that you you had the uh, you had the mind, well, at least in the, the way you you retold the story, that you were mm. that you were like thinking, okay. Blood's gushing out of my head. That's not good. Let's um, let's stop the blood flow. Let's work out where I am. What am I doing? Let's get out of here. I, I, I don't know. That's kind of the way I remember it. Yes. Um, and I'm even thinking when I was trapped in my in my own mind, it was I. I mean, of course, it was like, come on, get me out of here. You know, I promise I'll be good. I'll get back. But the other half was trying to recount where am I exactly? Where was I? And trying to put together memories as well. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. a, you know I completely panicked and you know, gave away all control. Um, so I think, you know, maybe, maybe people don't actually do that. Maybe that's just something that televisions m- make us believe. No, I pr- I'm pretty sure they do. Like with uh, with uh, Cat Stevens, or I don't know his, his, uh, his Muslim name, but Cat Stevens, when he was uh, going to drown, or he thought he was going to drown, and he said, please, God, if you, if you help me out of this one, I'll dedicate my life. Um, and that's... That's what he did, and he he found Islam and and dedicated his life to it. Um, so yeah, I think I think it definitely does happen, and people do these things even not in uh, life or death situations like like here in Mexico they they do pilgrimages and and you know they they walk barefoot to the to to the holy spot and then they then they put something down by the feet of the virgin and. In in uh, Buddhist countries as well, they come to the temple every day and plant a flower or some nonsense like this. <laughs> to me, it's it seems like a superstition, but maybe it has some 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 benefits beyond what I'm aware of. I'm, I might just not understand the full thing. Yeah, something that something's going to cost you um, effort, and that's going to be mm. you know like a daily thing that you do. I think has mm. to be it has to be good for creating your own personal um, awareness in what you're trying to achieve in your life. Yeah, so it keeps you it keeps you in check and on track. But yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, it's pretty easy to say that the majority of them are just you know they're doing it because someone told them they probably should, or because mum and dad did it, or because they were trained to do it at school. So I mean, it's maybe I don't know. It's all a personal thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess I, I guess we're about out of time. Did you, did you have any other notes, secret messages, uh, satanic messages, and with backwards speaking that people can play back? Hmm. No. No. I've- okay. Similar to artificial, Lord. That was a that was a special one. <laughs> Good. I'll play it forward. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Check it out later. Okay. Great. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get some sleep. Yeah, sounds sounds good. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on this magical adventure. Another episode of The Paradise Paradox wrapped up in a Christmas present right behind your face with a beautiful ribbon bow.
that's how we do it. So remember to jump on over to theparadiseparadox.com slash 130 to check out the show notes, relevant links, irrelevant links, half-relevant links, and other things. Uh, you can jump onto steamit.com. Steamit is, as I said, it's a new social platform where you can get paid for writing, contributing, commenting, and voting. Um, so check that out and uh, it'll really help us out a lot if you give us an upvote um, because that then enables us to continue with this wonderful project. So um, jump on to steamit.com slash at paradise-paradox and you can check out um, new content on there. Thanks very much for listening, paying attention, opening up your mind and squishing your brain cells just in a tiny little bit to try to wrap your head around the nonsense that we're talking. Thanks for listening and have a good one. Don't worry, 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 don't worry